This Marketplace podcast is supported by Invest Puerto Rico. Build the future in paradise. Puerto Rico, a hub for innovators brimming with world-class talent and a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more at investpr.org backslash marketplace today. I was born ready, yo. Let's hit it. Hello, I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. I'm Kyle Rizdahl. Thank you for joining us, everybody. It is Monday today, the 24th day of July, 2023. We are going to do some news and then hopefully get you smiling a bit. Uh, But first, some news as usual. Kai, what caught your attention today, over the weekend, etc.? I, I need you to go first because I'm going to go on a little rant here when it comes to my turn. So oh, you go first okay. and do the, do the actual product that this podcast offers as opposed to a ranty, cranky, very sweaty host. So you go first. <laughs> okay. Well, my first one is a little bit of um, gloating in a really sad way because the thing that I said was going to happen is in the process of actually <laughs> happening. Um, <laughs> if you remember back when they came up with that debt limit deal and they set the spending levels for, you know, the eventual spending bills. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's all well and good up until it gets into the hands of the appropriators who can throw it all out the window if they want to, which is exactly what's happening right now. Uh, this week, the House Republicans started putting out their spending bills for, you know, the annual annual appropriations process. It's supposed to be done by October. It's what funds the federal government. This is what usually leads to the partial government shutdowns we're always talking about because they don't get done by October and we end up with the wonderful continuing resolutions that we always end up talking about. Anywho, um, they, when they made that debt limit deal, the Republicans and the Democrats agreed to sort of spending levels of when they wrote the bills, here's more or less where the numbers are supposed to land. But within those parameters, there were supposed there was sort of like some. Um, I would love to have a less gendered way of saying this gentleman's agreement of mm-hmm. how those numbers would play out. But now some of the House Republicans are attaching uh, amendments and other qualifiers to pieces of this legislation to try to roll back um, abortion changes, like for the military or for access to birth control pills that the FDA approved, um, access to vaccine funding at the WHO, lots of the different sort of cultural policies that have been in the mix that came up with the defense authorization bill as well that we talked about on the show a while back, Mm -hmm. at least on Mm -hmm. the evening show a while back. Those are now getting folded into the appropriations bills, the spending bills. And so we're still waiting on the Senate to finish up its version of the Defense Authorization Act so that they can fund the military because the House version didn't go anywhere in the Senate and it won't. So that's still up in the air. There's also now all of these appropriations bills that are going to be much harder to pass than um, they would otherwise be. And a lot of the Republicans are going to end up fighting against each other when it comes to some of these um, policies. And in theory... A lot of this needs to be done before they head out on their August recess. That's going to be interesting to watch. But even more so... Doesn't that start like... Sorry, doesn't that start like at the end of the week? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
<laughs> I'm happy to play the straight man. That was not a setup. Oh my goodness! Wow. It's supposed to, uh, and but even if it doesn't get done um, before the August recess, you know when they come back from the August recess, they're going to have a dead run to finish some of these bills before. The funding expires in October. We're going to get continuing resolutions to keep uh, government funding at a level, you know, the previous year's level. But the the issue still is like the parties are so far apart on these issues that it's hard to see where the compromise is going to come. So it's going to be relatively interesting late summer, early autumn when it comes to getting bills uh, through the House and the Senate. So (laughs) one of the deals that McCarthy made for the speakership was that he promised that he wasn't going to let any more of these big omnibus spending bills go through. I don't know if you remember that. Um, I do. Because a lot of times when they really struggle to get these 12 individual appropriations bills through, they just bundle them all together. There's stuff that everybody doesn't like in them, but to get the whole package through, they just put it all together and it, and everyone complains about how many thousands of pages a spending bill is that nobody knows what's in it. And this is the narrative yeah. all the time. But McCarthy said he wasn't going to do that. And, you know, regular order that they were going to push these bills through in the traditional way. But that allows these amendments and these processes that can allow for the insertion of all these things. And to be fair, this is how the process is supposed to work. It really is. But, um, (laughs) you know, in this I I think Congress Congress has just forgotten how to do it, right? They they haven't done it this way in a very long time. They haven't done it this way in a very long time. And one of the reasons that uh, a lot of the Freedom Caucus members and a lot of the conservative Republicans really push for this change is because many members of the House in particular were being completely left out of the spending bill process and not necessarily allowed to weigh in via committees because Mm. stuff was getting negotiated by leadership. And so now a lot of the power has been returned to the regular membership, but that allows for these sorts of delays and um, extra stuff added in. So yep. that will be fascinating to watch. I know I went hardcore DC wonkiness there, but it's important okay. because it matters how the federal government spends our money. The other one is uh, this really interesting study highlighted in the New York Times and elsewhere um, the, the, about a study released Monday about elite college admissions. And mm-hmm. ever since the you know overturning of affirmative action when for college admissions by the Supreme Court – Lots of reporters and and groups have been looking into other ways that colleges prefer some students over others and in particular legacy admissions and things like that. So here's a big study um, that was done by Opportunity Insight, a group of economists Mm -hmm. based at Harvard who study inequality. And I'm reading here from the New York Times. It quantifies for the first time the extent to which being very rich – is its own qualification in selective college admissions. And basically, if you are very wealthy, um, you are something like 2.2 times likelier to get into an elite school, even if your scores are the same and all other things are, are held constant. And so let's see, children from families in the top 1% were 34% more likely to be admitted than the average applicant, and those from the top 0.1% were more than twice as likely to get in. And so it will be fascinating to see how as schools try to come up with other ways 
besides affirmative action to diversify their um, you know applicant pools, how they factor in these sorts of pieces of information now that it's documented. So mm-hmm. that's what I got. For sure. For sure. All right. All right so here's Rant, mine. Proceed. I will, I, I will be brief. So I was mm. away Thursday and Friday, as listeners uh, hopefully uh, recognize that I was not on the podcast. Um, thank you, Amy Scott. Um, and I went to a, a, a 60th birthday party for my college roommate. And he had a bunch of people up to his place in northern Michigan. So first of all, northern Michigan is gorgeous. And I highly recommend, and I'm not just saying this because the director of podcasts at Marketplace is Bridget Bodner, who bleeds Michigan blue. Not saying it for that reason at all. It is just flat gorgeous up there. I really, really enjoyed myself. And if you have the opportunity to reconnect with old friends and get off the grid for 72 hours, I, I, it's restorative. I cannot recommend it highly enough. And I know I say uh, on this podcast a lot, I don't do the whole self-care thing. This weekend was, was a whole lot of self-care. There was a lot of bourbon involved too, Excellent. but there was a lot of self-care and it was great. So just really enjoyed that. But uh, here's the rant. So I unplugged mm. for 72 hours. And I didn't even check things when I got home last night. And then I picked up, figuratively, the newspapers this morning, and you read about Israel in crisis, and I'm, I'm literally scrolling down the Washington Post homepage. Israel in crisis. Small-town GOP officials are torn over Biden's clean energy cash. States lose federal water funds as lawmakers redirect money to state to pet projects. Job applicants are battling AI resume filters with a hack. Sorry, flipping to the Wall Street Journal. FDIC scolds banks for manipulating deposit data. Why the Fed isn't ready to declare victory on, on uh, inflation. And then, and here's a really terrible one. Cleaning up chat GPT takes heavy toll on human workers, workers in Kenya who were traumatized by efforts to clean up chat GPT. Russia attacks grain terminal. I could go on. Oh, here, wait, sorry, here's one. Heart attack rises significantly, risk rises significantly on extremely hot polluted days, which as we all know, a big chunk of the it's country is dealing with right now. And it's, it's the, the, I don't get like this a lot, but when I do, it really affects me, which is funny because I'm, I'm absorbed by the news and I like knowing what's going on. The news is, is terrible right now and it's really yeah. debilitating. And so I think everybody should just unplug and go to Northern Michigan and hang out with friends from college because, oh my Lord, it's terrible. And, and, and it can't continue this way. That's, it just, I mean, it will because the news is the news and. Hopefully what we do at Marketplace brings better things and more informative things and doesn't bog you down with the the garbage that you see a lot of other places. But, man, it's really hard to deal with sometimes. And it just it smacked me upside the head today when I when I started digging back into the news. And that's my rant. That's that's really all I want to say. No, I agree. It's it's rough. And I'm kind of torn on this whole like you got to switch it off and, and, you know, turn it off at times because I have a lot of people in my life who are just like, the news is too negative. I can't deal. I just don't look at mm-hmm. the news anymore. Mm-hmm. And That's not what we want. To, yeah. No, because that's also like such a point of privilege because you get to do that right. if you aren't being directly harmed by the things that the news is covering. Right. If you're not one of the people forced to work in the heat and at higher risks risk of a heart attack uh, because of extreme temperatures. If, you know, you aren't losing access to your water because somebody's pet project funneled funds away from it. I also was able to escape to the woods this weekend and did some tent camping for like the first time in like a decade. And I was very excited about it. And I was particularly excited that I did not step on the copperhead that I almost stepped on while hiking, which would have been a 
bad situation. Um, but it was really beautiful. It was very relaxing. It was very peaceful. And I also kind of was hit in the face with all the news. I'm like, okay, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. But I think you're right. It's important to step back and, you know, look at something green while it's still available to us <laughs> and right. restore with the knowledge that, you know, you got to come back to hopefully make yeah, you things better. Right. Make, you right. know, like use that to, to restore and re-energize so that maybe we can all make the world a better place. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All there right, Charles. All right, what do you got? Anything? I, or am I doing Not really, just that I went outside this weekend and went hiking and it was lovely and that made me gotcha. smile. So I'm going to I'm going to own that. <laughs> awesome. So here is my make me smile. Made me uh, actually laugh a little bit out loud. So, if you've been following up or listening to Twitter and Elon Musk, you know he changed the name of the company in his in his further ambitions to absolutely burn 44 billion dollars in a big garbage can in the streets of San Francisco outside Twitter headquarters. <laughs> He's changed the name of the company to X and he continues to to defenestrate that entire company. But Alex Weprin, uh, who now writes on uh, finance and advertising at uh, The Hollywood Reporter. He's been a Politico before that, TV Newser, and a bunch of places before that. He discovered today, thanks to uh, a search at the U.S. Uh, Patent and Trademark Office, that in point of fact, Meta owns the uh, trademark or the patent or whatever, the service mark, rather, sorry, uh, on the letter X. So, okay. I mean, maybe maybe uh, Musk's lawyers will will you know point out some stylistic differences between uh, Meta's mark on X and Elon Musk's mark on X, but it made me laugh out loud. Always got to check the paperwork before you change the name of your company that you are driving into the ground. So that's hilarious because I saw another tweet, and you know I'm sure the fact checkers will figure out which of these are real, which says that Microsoft owns. <laughs> Oh, that's great. A version oh, that's too funny. Of this as well. Uh, this one from Andres uh, Guadamuz, I believe, Technolama. Uh, this is reported in um, futurism.com that Microsoft owns the trademark for X. That's great. And this, this guy is an intellectual property law professor at the University of Sussex. So, regardless, it seems owned by somebody. Let else. the lawyers fight it out, baby. <laughs> Let the right. lawyers fight it out, right? I mean, come on. Oh, boy. Too good. This is what happens when Too you fire good. everyone. <laughs> oh, um, All right. That All right. is it for us today. And I do have a smile on my face. That did make me chuckle. Uh, we are going to be back tomorrow for our weekly deep dive on one of our favorite topics, space. Uh, this week, we're checking in on the James Webb Space Telescope, which has been up and running for about a year now. We're going to talk about how it's made us smarter about space uh, in its first year. Also later this week, we're going to answer your questions about the restart of student loan payments for a lot of people in this economy. That is a huge, huge deal. And because it's a big deal for a lot of people, it's going to be a big macroeconomic deal, too, just in terms of consumer spending. So if you've got a question about that or if you're getting ready to start repaying your student loans or if you have things or thoughts about that whole thing, leave us a voicemail, 508-UB-SMART. Email us at makemesmart at marketplace.org, and we'll get your questions on the air or on the pod or whatever one says. Mm -hmm. 
Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's program was engineered by Charlton Thorpe. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter, and our intern is Nilafar Shabendi. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the aforementioned director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director of all of those things that Bridget and everybody else is in charge of. <laughs> and a bunch of other stuff, too. <laughs>